Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today's episode 2768, and it's a weird one. It's kind of like a rewind, but it's not because it was never on the podcast before, so it's not a rewind. It's kind of a guerrilla podcasting show because it doesn't follow the normal format. And it's kind of like recycled because I pulled a video out, which I don't know that I've ever used a straight-up YouTube video before as a podcast. But here's what's going on. I'm fishing today. My buddy JR is coming in to help me get ready for the workshop. And uh, that's that's on a Wednesday. And on that same Wednesday, I have to do an interview show, and I have to do an Unloose the Goose show. Those usually go like an hour and a half. This is a Tuesday when I'm recording this. You're listening to it on a Thursday. And so you can see how that all runs together. As for fishing, i got to take JR fishing. I'm not just slacking off today. I made a deal. I made a deal on the barter blanket to take him fishing. Now he's coming in to help me get ready. But on top of all this, I'm getting ready for the workshop, trying to figure out how the hell to handle this next week. So you can see where I'm busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. So I'm real recycling some content. On that, though, When I put this video out, you know, my videos don't get anywhere near the the views that my podcast get listens to because I've built most of what I do in the world of podcasting, iTunes, Stitcher, that kind of thing. And uh, so a lot of y'all have not heard this. And this came in the middle of some real rant videos, some videos where I was pretty much on the top rope coming down macho man style, elbow to the head with people about getting out of the cities and some other things like that, getting a lot of feedback on it. And I just got real peaceful in the middle of it all and thought, I don't think these people understand what I'm trying to tell them. I don't think they, tr they understand what I'm trying to tell them about living your better life right now, not waiting for someone else to do it for you or think you're fighting some mythical thing or whatever the hell else it is. And the pure, absolute joy of being a modern homesteader practicing modern lifestyle design. So I do have one warning about today's episode. There's a word in it that sounds like truck and starts with an F. It's a word I don't use often on the air. I use it in videos, but not on the air. Because I don't normally do it, I feel obligation to tell you. I would rate this if it was a movie, a PG movie. It's not even PG-13, really. Oh, my God, the little kids' ears can't hear the F word. Whatever. Maybe it's PG-13 if you're ultra-conservative with it or what have you. But I'm letting you know. I'm letting you know, so if you don't like it, don't cry to me later. I'm not going to listen to you. Overall, there's a perfectly good reason for that word. When you hear it uttered, you'll understand why. And then I also wanted you to know that even though this is audio out of a video, I will come back with a closing segment because, well, this week is Waylon Jennings Week. And I ain't going to skip a song on Waylon Jennings Week. That just is not going to happen. So I'll be back to tell you about that song, and I'll just prime the pump with this. I bet you, for most of you, it's a Waylon Jennings song you ain't never heard. And when I tell you the title, you're going to think you know it, and you don't. And it sounds nothing like what you're going to think of when you hear the title. And with that, let's go ahead and talk about the pure, absolute joy of being a modern homesteader. Well, hello everybody. Jack here, out in the backyard gardens. Hopefully it won't get too noisy. Wife says she's going to go mow the front yard. The second I decide to do a video, she's going to mow the front yard. That's the way it is, I guess. I guess it's good I got a wife that mows. I guess I shouldn't complain. 
So the reason I wanted to chat with y'all though, here comes an airplane. At least it ain't a freaking jet. Swear to God, they know. They absolutely know. Hey, we're gonna have a beer together tonight. A little Modelo. Um, not the greatest beer in the world, but not bad either. Seems like a good time to have a beer. Nice breeze blowing. Peppers are blowing up behind me. It's a good night. Some days you get to the end of the day, you want to have a beer because, well, it was one of them long-ass hard days. Today wasn't. Today was one of them good days where everything goes right. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. I kind of came out here this morning and, well, to be uh, brutally honest, which I always am, kind of beat y'all's ass some, some of you anyway, with your excuse making. And I know that can be motivational, but I also know that my job is to be truly motivational with preparedness, with homesteading, with permaculture, with business, with everything in your life, with lifestyle design, because that's really what I teach is lifestyle design. Preparedness is just a piece of lifestyle design. It's really stupid if you're going to design your life, to design your life to be really great, but not design resiliency into it, to not design redundancy in it. And designing resiliency and redundancy and non-brittleness into your life that's preparedness in a nutshell. That's what it's really all about. So preparedness is just a natural extension of that. Um, but what I wanted to talk to you about today is just the the pure joy of homesteading. How amazing it is right now that I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking over here behind, over to the behind and back from the camera at this big 5,000-gallon above-ground tank that I built. This pond with all these fish that live in it that help feed me and my family and all of the aquatic vegetation that feeds all these plants that also feed me and my family and feed my animals and birds and what have you, my aviary that's over here and the way that that's turning out, just amazing. Today when I got done with, you know, the work work, the podcast stuff, I went out in the garage and, and did some tweaking and some tuning up and some additions and new plants on the uh, the uh, hydroponics system, the new hydroponics system. And uh, hung out with the baby chickens for a while today again, trying to build that bond with them where I'm the, I'm the big scary human that brings them stuff. I'm the giant that brings food, but I'm also not too scary. We don't need to be freaked out because the giant's coming to pick us up or whatever. My grandkids are being homeschooled, so my wife yesterday took them to uh, to do archery class, and then today uh, the boy got enough stuff done quick enough that they went out to the nature center to go hiking, and because of all the COVID nonsense and stupidity, people are afraid to go hiking in the woods, I guess, because that's where the COVID is. It's hiding behind an oak tree. It's going to get you, but the... The Nature Center just has not had many people visiting this year. So the deer are really chill. And so they saw tons of deer. The kid took almost 80 pictures of deer, came home. I got to you know go sit with him and see all his pictures and listen to how he's going to be a photographer now. He's going to be a photographer. And I was like, you know, you, you can kind of just be a photographer in this day and age, you know, teaching him that freedom. And they come here in the morning and... You know, he comes out and talks to me while I do the duck pools and some of my morning chores. And, you know, if I decide tonight, like, I know I don't notice the wife took a couple, uh, 
ribeye steaks out, and I'm sitting looking here, and I've got these. Let me go get this thing. Let me show you here. You know, something like that. That's an Asian eggplant. That'll be. I'll do that with some grilled peppers and maybe some. Uh, I've got some pole beans coming up over there, and uh, I've got a piece of that uh, trombuccino zucchini uh, from last night. I had a huge one that didn't. I don't know what happened. Like it pollinated because if they don't pollinate, they just don't form. But every once in a while, they don't form the big bell at the end with the seeds in it. So that one didn't. So once it got as long as it was going to get, and the end starts to kind of rot, then I took that and I made uh, zucchini noodles out of it last night. And I have a piece about that big. So I'll chop that up and maybe get a couple more of these, maybe a chili pepper. There was not a bunch of beans, maybe a little handful of the uh, pole beans over there and you know, I'm looking, my second crop of beans is, is just starting to take off now. Those are those Asian beans. Those are growing. Uh, got sweet potato just everywhere. Um, I got food that I'll never eat, but it's like emergency redundancy food with taro root and got tons of freaking ground nut growing all over the place. That was something I struggled to even get going. Now I, I got ground nut, like half the aviary is covered in the vines from the ground nut growing out of the wicking beds over there. Um, I just got food. Everywhere. Like, everywhere. And I'm thinking about going fishing this weekend. My wife's going to be away uh, with her sister for the weekend. So I'm thinking about going to one of my little creek fishing holes and just catching some bullheads and stuff like that. And I was thinking about keeping a few. And if I do, it'll just be to maybe do a cooking video or anything. Damn freezers are freaking stacked. Um, people were freaking out about being a beef shortage and chicken shortage and all. And I just, you know, because we're able to buy the high quality protein because we basically don't spend money on almost anything else other than crap for the kids that she keeps buying still we can have a life like this and way back in 2008 when i started doing this i came up with a concept that's probably time to start revisiting more often it was called from home to homestead and I pointed out how most Americans think their house is their biggest asset. And Rich Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad guy, I don't agree with him on everything, but boy, he nailed that one where he said most people think that their, their biggest asset is their home. And for most Americans, based on the way they live, their home is their single biggest liability because it's their single, single biggest expense. And the minute they can't pay for it, not only do they lose it, but it destroys their credit, so it destroys their ability to do anything else and it, uh, real estate can be an incredible asset in leverage real estate with with debt if it's done smart and intelligently can even be a tremendous asset um, but the way most people do it it's not most people get up every day and they're miserable the second they wake up they're they wake up angry and i understand why i used to they wake up angry because the first thing that they have to do is get ready to go somewhere they don't want to be. Let's say in the corporate world, the first thing a man does in the morning is tie a noose around or put a put a blade to his own throat, and after he gets done with that, he ties a noose around it. Now I know not everybody has a you know a job where they have to shave and wear a tie, but I think you get the point. So you get up and you you put a blade to your own throat, and then you tie a noose around your neck. It's very fitting for the slavery lifestyle most people choose to live because whatever job they have, they really would prefer not to go there. So then they get in their car. 
I call that a mobile metal coffin because we spent a lot of our lives in those cars dying. That's why I started my podcast in my car. I'm like, I'm not wasting this time. I'm not wasting this time. I'm either going to be learning something or doing something because I was spending an hour and 15 minutes a day in my car each way. That's what, two and a half hours? Some days, if it was bad traffic, three hours in my car. That's a lot of time to just sit there and listen to talk radio and yell at idiots and listen to car commercials or pillow commercials or whatever the hell else they put on the damn radio anymore. So they get in that car, they get in that metal metal coffin, they go to work, they spend the whole day doing something they don't want to do surrounded by people they don't want to be around. If they're lucky, they get a full hour for lunch. and They usually go eat some garbage food they really would prefer not to eat, but they have to eat when they're there or they brown bag it. I'll admit that you know, even when I had made it and I had it made, I still just didn't want to be around people all the time, uh, especially being the boss and having everybody work for you, you know. And I, I, I remember sitting in my car eating like a garbage double bacon Wendy's burger, which is part of what made me such a fat ass, in my car alone, you know, taking a walk around the mall or something during my break and being away from the damn office so I didn't fire everybody or throw people out a window. I guess it was worse for them because they had to work for an asshole like me. You know, so you're doing something like that every day, and then finally the day ends, and instead of just being home with your family, you get back in your mobile metal coffin. A lot of days you have to do some, you know, foraging on the way. You got to put gas in the coffin, you know, got to pick up crap for the kids or from yourself or whatever. You finally get home. Your wife is, I'm supposed to be motivating you, right? We'll get there. You know, you get home and you, you, your spouse, your wife or your husband, depending on which one you are, uh, is, is just as worn out as you. You want to do anything? No. You know, I don't want to do nothing. I don't have a beer and sit down. And For me, it was I would come home, I'd do the right thing and give her a kiss and say hello and ask her how her day was. And two seconds later, I had a beer and I went out the damn door and... Uh, you know, I'd go out and water the garden or do something out in the backyard because it would keep my sanity. So you do whatever it is you do to keep your sanity. A lot of people, when you're still single, you live for that weekend, you know. And then you go out and you drink too much and feel sick in the morning, party or whatever. And then you get up on Monday and you do it all over again and you do it again and you do it again. And it's, most of it is designed... In our society, so that you can make a mortgage payment on that house that's supposed to be an asset that drives you to have to do all this stuff. And when I came up with Home to Homestead, I said, you have to take the home and, and, and change what it is. The home for most Americans is a consumer. It consumes money and energy. It's literally a huge piece of your life is given over to making sure that there's four walls and a roof over your head. It's noble, and I understand it, and I did it, and sometimes you have to. But the more you move toward homesteading, the more you move toward uh, uh, something that produces for you. I'm sitting in a supermarket that's free. There's freaking two months at least if I ate fish every day there's at least two months of fish sitting in that tank right there there's 150 bucks worth of produce that could be picked out of here today and it all come back within two weeks i at the most and, and that's just that row right there behind me i there's 
you know, these animals that we have here, they're not just, you know, producing us high-quality protein and fats in the form of eggs. They're entertainment. They're better than anything on Netflix or the network television or any of that shit. I mean, I could, instead of doing this video right now, I could be sitting over there watching the ducks play in their pool. I just filled their pool up for a second time today because it was kind of hot today and their water was warm and kind of skanky. And they're just, they're happy, right? They were grateful that they had this cold, cool, clean water to jump into, you know? And they know that the giant's what brings them the water. There's a joy in that. You know, I just think about my day today, just today. I got to get up this morning, have a cup of coffee, really great coffee, you know, from Nicole at Holler Roast. Just a great, great cup of coffee. I sit out on my deck and, and think about things and go through all my notes and stuff and all my comments and see y'all bitching and whining about they'll just take it away from me, you know, in, in the videos I've done recently, if, uh, challenging to build something. So then i got to go vent my frustrations and tell the people that I work for you literally to fuck off with their bullshit and they love me for it you know it's all and it's people say well that's being a podcaster and having a content creator it's all part of the homestead lifestyle i didn't just design the property i designed my entire lifestyle around living this way if i decide tomorrow that i want to go fishing well tomorrow i'm gonna have to take the wife to meet her sister so i i have a boss i have a real boss and that's the wife but if i decided today that i wanted to go fish and i was done you know, about 1.30. Now, there's days I'm not done until 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. Yesterday, I did an Unloose the Goose podcast plus my work. And, you know, I was working up till 7 o'clock at night. But if I want a day that's short, I'd just take a short day and go fishing. A couple of weeks ago, I wanted to take a day and go fishing. I ran a rewind show. And me and my buddy Hatch hooked up with our buddy Omar. And we went out on the lake. And by 11.30, we were back at the dock with a limit of fish. And came home and spent the rest of the day with my grandkids, that's what homesteading can be. Homesteading isn't just growing a garden. Homesteading, when you do it right, when you do it from a permaculture lens, you start asking yourself, what are all the things that I need and my family needs? And you stop confusing yourself, right? I think a lot of times people confuse themselves with what they need. Well, I need a job. Maybe. For a time, maybe for till you retire, I don't know, but that's not really what you need. You need an income. You need an income that provides you the things you want. I'll tell you a story. Um, years ago, I got a call from a good friend, an army friend. This is one of those guys that, you know, if he called me tomorrow and said, "I need you," I'm 500 miles away and I need you. I'd be in my, I'd be in my car. And it'd be a fast 500 miles. As fast as I could go without ending up in prison, I would be there for this guy. But he was being such a damn baby. He lost his job. His marriage fell apart. I guess that's a reason to be a baby, but he was. He was he was distraught. He thought his whole life was over because he lost a job. Like, you didn't have a job when you got the job you have now. You're in IT. You're good at what you do. You'll get another job. You got enough unemployment, you got some money saved. This guy is at least good about saving money. I mean, you're going to be all right. And I was I was going to go up to my property in Arkansas that next weekend. And I thought, you know, he could use a good getaway. And at this time, he only lived about an hour from me. So I was like, you know, it'll be me and my old army buddy. We'll drink some beer, we'll shoot some guns, we'll take some hikes in the woods and 
We'll have a good blowout weekend. That's what he needs. It was like it was like being with Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh for two days. I wanted to kill myself by the time it was over. Whining and bitching and crying. I just don't know if I'll ever succeed. On and on and on and on. And so I started doing what I do when I counsel people like this and figure out, instead of bitching about what you don't have, do you even know what you want? Do you have any idea what it is that you want? So we start talking about what he wants, and what he wants is to live in the woods and not to have a lot of bills and be able to go fishing and hunting all the time. He's from backwoods, Louisiana. I pointed out to him, I said, Brad, do you understand that, like, all those guys that are broke-ass rednecks that you went to high school with live exactly the way that you just described right now? And, and they're broke-ass rednecks, but they just decided that they wanted to live that way. That they wanted what you just described. So, you know, they have a job working at Walmart or something like that, and it's it's plenty of money to finance a lifestyle like that. They don't, they, they're not sitting here with me bitching about their life. They're out gigging frogs or some shit right now. They're actually doing the thing that you say that you want to do. And I said, isn't that interesting that they just live the way that you say that you want to live, and they have so much less than you. You know, this was a guy, the job he lost was about a $70,000 a year job. You're not buying two Beamers every year or anything, but you can live pretty good on seventy grand. There wasn't a damn person in that town he was from ever saw somebody make $70,000 a year in that town. But they were all living the way he wanted to live. He was making two... Two and a half times their average income. And he was envious of their lifestyle. And they were probably envious of his lifestyle. And the truth is, he's been back on his feet a long time. Took him two weeks to find a good job. Better job than the one he had. Making better money than he was making before. Had another crash and burn experience. This guy's got issues. But he's put his life back together a third time. Now he lives in Louisiana. Makes good money. You know, does okay. But he ain't living the way he said he wanted to live. And I'm convinced at this point, this man's my age, he's almost 50. It's because he doesn't really want to. It was a phantom idea in his mind of what he wanted. It was an illusion. It was what we were talking about this morning, it was an excuse. It was an excuse for being unhappy. I would be happy if I could do this thing over here. But when he was put to a gut check with, if you want to do that, just go do that. You know, I pointed out to him, you can sell your house. You had enough equity in it. Your dad owns a bunch of land. I'm sure he'd break off an acre and give it to you. He said, oh, yeah, he would. Okay, well, so an acre's all you need. You can go buy yourself a brand new mobile home for cash. Put in a well and a septic for cash set up on there and go hike in your piney wood forest that you talk about all the time. You can go hunting and fishing in your own old man's land right there. You do that tomorrow. Now, he didn't do it. And I don't begrudge him for not doing it. The truth is it's not what he wanted. You know what he wants? He wants a little three-bedroom house on Maple Street. There ain't nothing wrong with that. There ain't nothing wrong with that at all. If that's what you want. But what I love about homesteading, 
farm study and call it what you want to. Permaculture design, lifestyle design is whatever it is you want, you can design it into your property. You don't have to be, you know, on a three-acre micro farm like I'm on. I, I'm sitting here. This this is maybe 300 square foot around me right here. This is fitting all but the smallest suburban backyards. And I could design this system right here with these four beds on an angle and this tank and all. I could design runs around them. I could put, you know, at half a dozen chickens into a system like this and, and just have them kind of move around with a chicken tractor type situation. I could design quail into this system. I could design rabbit into this system. I don't mean or, either or. I mean, I could design all three of those into the system with very little work. And then I'd have fish, quail, rabbit, and chicken, and egg, plus all the vegetation. And guess what? All of my growing here would get better because of the fertility ad. I just have enough land that I'd do it in a different way, and I let the birds free range and all. But I could do this in the back of a suburban household. And so can you, if that's what you want. Now, I don't really like the suburbs, but if you do, then just find some good ones when you, and you make the right choice. I want you to take it all back to you don't want a drill bit, you want a hole. And the sheer joy of, of homesteading is a lifestyle design element. Is you get to figure out exactly what you want that hole to look like, and then you get to use the right tools to make it. Because what you're blowing a hole in is society's illusions of the way that life should be. Who the hell ever decided, we can actually answer this question, but we're not going to today, but who the hell ever decided that the way human beings should live is you should have this little thing you live in called a house, and most of what you do in your life should be designed to make sure that the house remains available to you in the form of some sort of debt against it. You should spend... More than a third of your life working when you're already going to spend a third of your life sleeping. So it only leaves a third of your life at best to do the things that you want to do with your life. And that your, your, your purpose in the world should be to go somewhere and do something to enrich somebody else's life. Now, I, I'm glad people do it. There's so many things in this world that we, we have because people go to work. And if that's what you, again, I'm back to if that's what you want to do, fine, but do you need to work 60 hours a week? I mean, I think one of the things that people need to start designing into their life right now is the 20 to 30 hour work week, the part time job, the part time gig. Automation is, is going to keep going. I mean, it hasn't even begun to make the impact that it's going to make yet. All the crap that you want in your life, all the third-party crap that, you know, you want to buy a beer that comes in a can like this instead of making your own. I understand. I, you know, when I drank a lot of beer, I made a lot of beer. Now, I, I don't make beer hardly at all anymore because I drink maybe one or two beers here and one or two beers there. I might drink four or five beers a week at the most anymore. So, yeah, I'm glad somebody goes to work and makes this. Pretty good beer, too. But we're getting to a point where 
for this to get to my house is going to involve almost no people. And the people that it does involve don't necessarily need to be working swing shift and eight-hour shifts and overtime anymore. And so we can have a society that has jobs and employment for all of the good that does come from it, but that isn't necessarily every household is two parents working full-time, never spending no time with their kids, and there's never been a time in the world where it's easier to work from home or build a business from home. And no, not everybody's going to do it. So what? That doesn't mean you can't. And this is what it involves. And, 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 you know, I think you judge a person in what they say is possible by what they've done. A person says you can build a business that has never built a business, probably not a person you should be taking advice from. But I've built a business exactly like I'm talking about. You know, I, I built this to the point where it, it does this. And it's not some sort of short-term thing. I've been doing this full-time since 2010. I started this business in 2008, June of 2008. January 3rd, 2010, I went full-time. And I sold out my interest in my other business to my partners, and they thought I was all crazy. And, you know, I said I was going to go do things like grow cool stuff like this, and they thought I was nuts. And you'll be coming back and you know you're not going to you're not going to want to do this for the rest of your life or whatever and you know I look at those people now and it's 10 years later and I'm doing exactly what I've been doing for the last 10 years and I've never been happier doing it and they're miserable they're unhappy you know, some of them sold out and retired by now themselves, but they're a lot older than me, and they spent a lot of years that I'm spending like this not very happy. You know, arguing with their, their partners and yelling at their employees or whatever. I, I just think this is the best lifestyle that you can put together for yourself. And the beauty of it is it is a kind of a paint-by-numbers type lifestyle except you get to design the picture and then fill in the spots and you can change it i mean i've changed it a couple times since we started when i started doing this we were living in arlington texas i had a third of an acre in the suburbs now i had no intention of staying there i also had a property a five acre property up in arkansas and we moved up there and made a go of it and uh it worked i mean it was a great property there was things there's things about it i still miss but my wife missed her family more than i missed that place and i take care of my wife and because we were doing things this way at that point it was as simple as well honey if you want to go back we'll just go find a place and move back there wasn't nobody had to be you know there wasn't a job search that went along with that there wasn't any kind of you know putting in a two-week notice or anything we just did it and if we decided right now that this isn't where we wanted to be anymore, we'd just go somewhere else. I know people living this lifestyle, they don't even own land. They own an RV. And they live as nomads, but they're really happy about the way they do it. You can make this work for yourself however you want, because homesteading's not a garden. A garden's just something a lot of homesteaders do. Homesteading is taking that home, whatever form that it exists in, and making it produce for you. Food is just one thing it can produce for you. The fact that I run my office out of a bedroom in my house 
doesn't just mean it produces all the revenue in my business. It means it produces one of my favorite things in the world to produce. You know what one of my favorite things in the world to produce is? A tax deduction. You bet. I love producing tax deductions. I love that this Saturday, and unfortunately my wife won't be with me because she's going to be down visiting my niece and her sister. But I'm going to go have lunch with a couple friends. And one of my friends in particular here, he uh, is very involved with the workshops that I do on my property. Well, that makes him a strategic business partner, a client, I don't know, something. So I'm going to have a fantastic lunch. I'm going to have this seafood soup that they make at this place called Gloria's. It is amazing. A half a lobster tail and a big old chunk of red snapper and some mussels. And we're going to split a plate of quail. And we'll have probably a big old thing of ceviche and a couple margaritas. And I just you think I'm having lunch. No, I'm having a tax deduction. Because when I pick up that check, and I will because he's going to let me whether he knows it or not, I'm going to write that off. I'm going to write half of that cost off as a business meal, and I'm going to put a little note on the receipt that we're talking about our workshop is coming up, which is going to be true. I'm not cheating. I've designed it into my lifestyle. You know, I've involved everybody that I actually want to spend time with in some way with my business enough to justify anything I do with them as being a legitimate business expense. When I travel, I document what I do. I put all that content online, and I make it part of what I do with my content generation business, and the whole damn trip becomes a tax deduction. Well, my home office is a tax deduction. Now, whether I keep my office there or I don't, this house costs what it costs. But since I have a good accountant, and since they took away the SALT deductions, which was, you know, where you deduct your mortgage and all that stuff... Um, she figured out how to backfeed all of the house expenses into the home office expense and take my deduction from this big to that big. And I love that little girl. She's worth her weight in freaking Bitcoin, man. But that's all part of being a homesteader. Because when you're a homesteader, not only do you have all of the production, in there, you have the time to sit back and think, okay, I've done this much. How do I do more? And sometimes that's, how do I grow more food? Sometimes that's how do I pay a little bit more on my mortgage and shorten my term of my mortgage and save money that way. Sometimes that's how do I add another dimension to my business. And a lot of times it's just how do I take something that I want to do and make it into an expense so that I am earning, spending, and then paying tax while everybody else is earning, paying tax, and then spending what's left. That's what homesteading is. Homesteading is, hey, you know, I can... Take these sweet potato slips every freaking uh, spring, and I can make 150, 200 extra bucks just selling sweet potato slips to my neighbors on next door for cash or Bitcoin, right? And then, well, what are you going to do with that? Well, then I'm going to pay for all of my feed for my ducks for half the year with that. Then I'm going to sell the eggs for $8 a dozen, all the ones I'm not going to eat for cash. You understand how that works, you know. That's homesteading. It's agorism. The farmer is the original agorist. Now, the agora, right, it was the market is what agora was, the agora, the market, right, and that's where it comes from. But isn't it interesting? It sounds an awful lot like 
agriculturist, agorist, right? Because the farmer's the original agorist. The farmer takes land and turns it into something that he can use. Whether that's food that he eats, whether that's just there's a field of grass and I can put a cow on that grass and get milk and make cheese, or whether it's all different. I mean, if you want to talk about entrepreneurial spirit, farmers and ranchers, man, the majority of the income they make, no one ever sees. And I love that about them. I love that about them. I mean, you can find a farmer that voted Democrat since he was old enough to vote. And you can still figure out, man, he, he ain't just working the tax code. He's avoiding it, too. Like, when you homestead, a lot of what we do is we turn that backyard into kind of a micro-farming ranch. You know, I don't have a cattle ranch. I got a duck ranch. I don't have a farm. I got a garden. But I also have an agricultural business. File a Schedule F that also creates tax deductions. There's so much you can do. I know a guy, you know, that, that sells microgreens and baby greens and stuff like that to chefs and stuff. He's doing a lot this year selling direct to consumers because, um, you know, COVID and all the restaurants being shut down and stuff like that. But um, he has a typical suburban home. And he makes his entire living off of what he can grow and produce and hustle. And, you know, he doesn't just sell his stuff. He'll, you know, he has, he, he's up in, in New England and he'll has a friend that does maple syrup. So since he already has an outlet, he'll resell the maple syrup and stuff. There's so many things you can do. It really is a completely different way to live. But we only think it's different because we started living like slaves. We started living like slaves. This country went from being the freest country in the world to being one of the most enslaved, not just due to government, but due to our own willingness to attach ourselves to the chains of debt. And then to actually smile and be proud of our debt, because, oh, I got a Mercedes or whatever, and shine our chains. We were freer when the phones were still attached to the wall and the average person still knew how to grow a tomato. And the only thing preventing you from taking it back is you. So take the next step. Take it back. I promise you it's worth it. There is sure joy. There is absolutely pure joy in the homestead lifestyle if you do it right. Take care, guys. So... I did want to come back at the end of this one, even though it was just kind of a video I spliced in for this Thursday where I'm out fishing on the lake. and um, Because I didn't want to leave this show without a song of the day. There's no T-Spass item or nothing like that today. Of course, you can't help me by shopping there at tspass.com. But I didn't want to skip a day of music in freaking Whale and Jennings Week. That just didn't seem right, especially with the song that I have for you today. The song today is called Green River. And y'all might be, like, you might hear that and you might immediately think of a song that I thought of when I saw it in the playlist. I knew it wasn't it because I knew Waylon did not do that song. But there's a song called Green River by Creedence Clearwater Revival. And it was later uh, covered by uh, country music's greatest group of uh, modern times, probably Alabama. It ain't that song. It ain't nothing like it. This is old Waylon. How old? 1966 Waylon. This is when Waylon Jennings had short hair and looked like a fine, upstanding young man, I think you'll do, from the Tesla song. 
Yeah, that Waylon Jennings. And this is Waylon in a way that many of you may have never heard him before. It really is a beautiful song. And I didn't want to skip it. So I came back at the end here just to let you know. Here we go with Waylon Jennings and Green River from the movie that was called Nashville Rebel, starring Waylon. Back in 1966, this song peaked at number 11 on the country singles chart, and the album Nashville Revel would pick would peak at number four for Waylon. I'll be back tomorrow with our uh, our uh, expert counsel show on a Friday, and then next week we'll be uh, going headlong into event week, and I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work out yet, but I might be bringing you at least in those five days, a couple more of these shows based on older videos. Hope you enjoyed today's video. Hope it inspired you. Have a great day. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Green River, I come back to you. Do you remember me? Do you remember Soft blue eyes. I left here with a lot of dreams. None of them came true. What I wanted was here waiting all the time. Green River. Did she come here every evening? Like the neighbors said she did so faithfully. Come back to me.